Welcome to the Point Noted Podcast with your host, Johnny B, and co-host who shows up whenever he wants to, former NFL player, Rashad Barksdale. It's raw, unfiltered, and no topic is off-limit. We talk sports, entertainment, culture, and a whole lot of random shit. Let's get to the point. Point on the podcast and hanging out with your host, Johnny B, and my co-host for the day, OCO. OCO, how are you? Doing well, doing well. All right, so we got a special guest today. Um, we have Andreas uh, Atenopoulos with us. Andreas, how are you? I'm doing great, Johnny. How are you? Not bad at all, man. Not bad. I'm excited that you're here today. Um, I've been uh, trying to get some answers to uh, Bitcoin and blockchain and all of that. So uh, hopefully I get some clear clarification as well as uh, the uh, audience listening. Uh, we can all... You know, be happy to get back into investing and just, you know, being more well-informed about Bitcoin and blockchain. You got it. All right. So, um, so I'm going to start. So uh, Bitcoin, what, what exactly is Bitcoin? Because we have a lot of people like, I get this question all the time when I say, hey, you want to buy some Bitcoin? What is it? Like, what is that? How can I use it? So what is Bitcoin? Um, Bitcoin is money of the internet for the internet and by the internet. Okay. It's a system of money that exists on the internet and only on the internet. There's no physical uh, Bitcoin notes or coins. Um, it's a system that operates uh, entirely digitally, but okay. most importantly, it's a system that is not controlled by any company, any corporation, any government. It's, uh, In fact, it's a communication system just like... Email itself is not controlled by one company and the web itself is not controlled by any one company. And there can be lots of companies on the web or using email, but um, no one owns email itself. Um, And similarly, Bitcoin is a communication system for transmitting and receiving money and for securing transfers of money that operates everywhere in the world where you can get a basic internet connection. Um, where you don't need to present any documents or get any authorization in order to participate. You just okay. download some software and you don't need to create an account. You don't need to identify yourself. And once you have the software, you can send and receive Bitcoin. And that's basically it. It's an economy for the internet. Okay. So who should who should be buying Bitcoin? Can regular, any Americans, any citizen, uh, any human can just go ahead and just buy and own some Bitcoin? Well, for one thing, um, I wouldn't start by buying. Uh, and I think a lot of people start by the idea that they're going to buy some Bitcoin. But if you're an American, you don't buy dollars, do you? No. <laughs> um, how do you get your dollars? Uh, obviously, through work. Yeah, so you work for them. Well, um, you can work for Bitcoin, right? You can earn Bitcoin by making something and selling it, by offering a service, by, you know, cutting someone's hair or mowing a lawn or driving a taxi or um, selling food or whatever it is that you do, designing websites, uh, whatever skill. So think of Bitcoin rather as an internet economy that you participate in and you uh, earn some of your income by selling goods and services on the internet for Bitcoin. Uh, That's certainly how I look at it. Um, And that means that if you use Bitcoin, um, you can buy and sell services anywhere in the world and and no no one can stop you or interfere with your commerce. So 
if you're uh, someone who designs websites and you live in, I don't know, Bangladesh, it's actually really difficult to um, get paid by a customer in another country. Uh, right. And that's that's because the banking system is designed to only work within one country at a time. And if you try to cross borders, it gets very complicated um, and most people can't navigate that. There's a few private companies like PayPal make it a bit easier, but even PayPal, I mean, they cover 19 countries out of 194. Right. Um, Bitcoin covers all 194 countries and a lot of territories that have no countries on them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> let, wow. Me, let me ask you this. Um, so the, the smallest elemental dollar would be a penny or a cent. What yep. is the smallest divisible uh, uh, transactional form of Bitcoin? Because as of today, one Bitcoin is worth $9,330. If I'm the website designer and it's the websites, uh, I'm designing out of Bangladesh and the website's only $200, how do I get paid? Well, what does that look like? So the smallest unit, uh, that's a great question, by the way, because a lot of people misunderstand that. The smallest unit in Bitcoin is called a Satoshi, which is named after the uh, pseudonym of the creator of Bitcoin, the inventor, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, one Bitcoin has 100 million Satoshi. So uh, if you think about it, there's, um, there's eight zeros after the dot. Uh, so one Bitcoin is actually 1.00000000. And you can transact theoretically as small as one Satoshi, but because of network fees, um, transaction fees that are used to operate the network, um, you know, you, you can easily send or receive um, five or ten dollars of Bitcoin at the time. And you can buy five or ten dollars of Bitcoin. Um, you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. It's a bit like how a gold bar um, is is worth, you know, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000, depending on how heavy it is. Mm -hmm. But you, you can buy a speck of gold. Right. Uh, well, the specks in Bitcoin are even smaller. Okay. Oh, gotcha. And was that 10 to the eighth power or? That's uh, 10. To, uh, yes, it's 10 to the minus eight. Okay. Mm, nice. Um, so I see our crypto vaults being breached uh, all the time, right? Oftentimes with millions of dollars stolen. Um, so yes. how do I secure my cryptocurrency? I mean, how do one recoup that if it's stolen? I mean, we know banking deposit have insurance, FDIC, uh, yes. if something happened. Um, is there a similar avenue for cryptocurrency? So the important thing to realize about Bitcoin is that you don't need a bank. Um, you run software that keeps your Bitcoin on your own uh, smartphone or your desktop, or even better, um, you get a, a, a special uh, USB device called a, a hardware wallet um, that is super, super secure, which, you know, if you're going to be using it for more than a few hundred dollars worth of um, money, you probably should get one of those. But if you're using it for under $1,000, you might just store it on software on your smartphone. If you control your own keys on your smartphone um, and you control your own Bitcoin, it's not that easy for someone to steal it from you. Mm. If, on the other hand, you take that Bitcoin and you send it to a third party, 
uh, either an exchange and you leave it on an exchange or you give it to someone else and they put it in a wallet and they say, uh, hey, Aussie, uh, don't worry. I'm going to hold your Bitcoin real safe. You can trust me. Well, you can't. <laughs> um, and, you know, F- FDIC insurance um, doesn't exist in Bitcoin. But uh, then again, uh, you know, FDIC insurance isn't what people most people think it is. Uh, FDIC insurance is if one of the 5,000 banks, a little regional bank goes down so that the depositors don't get harmed. If uh, if all if all of the banks are failing, then FDIC insurance doesn't even cover one tenth of a percent of the deposits, and um, and you know the biggest problem with putting money in the bank is that uh, while it's difficult for anyone to rob you, um, the government and the bankers can rob you. <laughs> mm, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, most Americans think, okay, uh, the bankers are not going to rob me, or at least they're only going to rob me once or twice a decade. You know, 2008, 2020, they robbed me then. Um, but right. my government isn't robbing me every every week. Well, that's nice to say, but there's 194 <laughs> countries out there. And, and trust me, the people of Venezuela, Syria, Somalia, um, you know, and dozens and dozens of other countries out there feel very differently about how far they should trust their own government and banks. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Andreas, um, it, it occurs to me that one of the biggest selling points for, for Bitcoin as a currency, it kind of presents this egalitarian uh, 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 layout where everybody can participate and should be kind of free and clear. Um, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm kind of simplifying that a little bit too much, but in this day and age where, you know, on the mining side of things, it seems like the people making the most or uh, uh, making the most profit or participating more heavily or getting the most out of the, the system right now are people with a lot of money that can set up these giant mining operations. Uh, and in that way, wh- what's your take on that? What's your take on mining in general, but your take on these mega uh, setups, sometimes even backed by government parastatals? Um, what's your take on that and how that's maybe throwing everything in imbalance a little bit? Well, uh, first of all, let me explain that mining is um, a mechanism by which the system is secured without giving control over the rules and over the system to the miners. With every other form of money, um, the the organization or people that are providing security for the currency um, can also change the rules anytime they want, and they have a lot of power. Um the system of mining actually decentralizes that function. It means that lots of people can participate in mining and um, they participate anonymously and they don't actually have power to change the rules. Uh, so they still have to operate within the rules of the system. And in fact, we, we've seen a couple of times in Bitcoin where the miners have attempted to change the rules and failed miserably. Uh, in, in, in one case... Uh, losing three quarters of a billion dollars in a matter of uh, a few months in their attempt to hijack the system. So miners, um, yes, it's it's profitable to mine, but only if you put an enormous amount of money in and also um, you take an enormous risk. 
Uh, mining right. is, is not risk-free. In fact, it's an incredibly risky enterprise and it requires enormous capital. Yeah. Um, in return for providing that security and following the rules, the miners make a profit. But um, they don't get uh, special rules to operate by. Mm. So in, in, every, in every sphere of human life, um, people who have money have greater opportunity in life. That is right. a, a truth of society, and Bitcoin doesn't change that. It doesn't. It doesn't change the fact that uh, people who have a lot of capital can use that capital to their advantage, and they can make more capital. Their money works for them. But what it does change, vis-a-vis -vis all the other money systems, is that. In all the other money systems, people with lots of money don't only get to have that money work for them, but they also get to use that money to change the rules so that they get to play mm. by a completely different set of rules right. where not only do they gain, but the system makes sure that they can't ever lose. Mm. Um Think it's about like, the bailouts in 2008 or right. um, the way big business works. It's mm. um, heads, I win, tails, you lose. Right. Um, risky business went well, we make the profits. Risky business mm. didn't make well, we get bailed out, we make the profits. Mm. So in Bitcoin, yes, of course, if you have money, your money works for you and you can make more money. Um, right. But you, you don't get to change the rules just because you have money. Right. So I don't right. get to, to lobby the Bitcoin Congress? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing. Uh, Bitcoin doesn't have a Congress. Uh, and right. it's, a, it's a system of uh, direct uh, rule where basically right. when you participate in the Bitcoin system, uh, by choosing which software you run, you choose the rules. And that gives you some power. And it also right. makes sure that when you choose those rules, everybody else that you're participating with has to play by those same rules. It's a level okay. playing field in that respect. Gotcha. Hey, Johnny, one more question on this branch of uh, uh, thinking. Um, oh, absolutely. Andreas, do you, do you participate uh, in mining at all? Is that part of your platform or are you just... Um... No, actually, um, and this surprises many people, I never got involved in mining. Um, but primarily because it requires the kind of hardware and infrastructure which doesn't really suit my lifestyle. I'm a nomadic person. I travel a lot. I don't have a permanent base of operations. Mining equipment is heavy, noisy, and energy consuming. Um, you have to, you know, I mean, if I lived somewhere where I had cheap electricity and I had a barn, uh, I'd probably fill it with, with Bitcoin mining equipment and right. <laughs> do that. But... <laughs> Not, not something I want to carry through an airport in my carry-on. Um, <laughs> so I never, I never participated in that. Uh, in, in fact, uh, the majority of the, the engagement I have with, with Bitcoin is as a job, right? So um, I work in the Bitcoin space. I produce um, books and videos and things like that. And, right. and I get paid in Bitcoin for consulting, for book sales, for uh, participating in conferences and through donations from my community, through Patreon and things like that, so that I can do this job. So I that that's how I earn my living, which right. is basically the same way I earned my living before, only now it's in US, instead of US dollars, it's in Bitcoin. It's in Bitcoin. Are you going to be totally insulted? Are you totally insulted when people try to pay you in, <laughs> in, in USD? 
No, not at all. Um, for one thing, um, it's important to recognize that not everyone has the technical um, knowledge to jump in or uh, even uh, the infrastructure to jump in. And so I accept payments in dollars, but also in euro and yen and pound sterling and Bitcoin right. and ether. Um, just like any business person, I'll accept a, a variety of different currencies as long as the accounting doesn't get too complicated. Um, and I do business internationally, so I'm used to operating in a variety of currencies. That's not a, that's not a problem for me. In the past, however, I have given people a discount for paying me in cryptocurrency. Okay. Um, and I call that discount the don't make me call a banker 20% fee. <laughs> <laughs> That's sense. a good one. That's because good every one. time they say, tell me, oh, no, we, we sent the wire transfer. I'm like, well, it's been a month. Where the hell is it? And then we start mm -hmm. the dance with calling the banker and their customer service. And they never know. They, they, they never know where the money is. And they're not in any particular hurry to get it to you. Right, right. Right. And I think from what I understand also, having the Bitcoin also, you know, the government can't really track that or trace that. Uh, and we also know the government, you know, is always itching to get involved in anything that's prosperous. So, uh, and I know, well, I think I heard President Trump I saying earlier. Yeah, huh? I, I, I would caution against that because Bitcoin isn't anonymous. Lots of people think it is. Um, okay. And if you, if you are operating uh, in the U.S. and in many other countries, but especially in the U.S. as a U.S. citizen, um, just because it's Bitcoin doesn't mean that any of the rules change. You know, I file my taxes. In right. my taxes, I report my income, whether it comes in Bitcoin, euro, dollars, or yen. Um, I have to pay capital gains um, mm. on my investments, and I have to report everything fully. Uh, I do get uh, a lot of flexibility with my money because I can move it. Um, effectively, right. you don't move it because Bitcoin exists everywhere. So if I move everywhere. to a different country, my Bitcoin's already there waiting for okay. me when I arrive. I don't even right. have to move it. Um, so it's a more useful, versatile, international online currency. It's, it's, yeah. it's a more powerful form of money for me as both a business person, as an individual. Um, but you know, if if you're going to tax evade, or if that's your your goal, you, <laughs> you 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 can do that in dollars as much as in Bitcoin. And if you get caught, the punishment will be just as harsh. But right. isn't I mean, obviously, it has to be a lot, you know, less um, harder to find if, if it's in Bitcoin and it's in dollars, right? I mean, for all the fans listening out there that wants to hide their money, uh, John, uh, are you but, asking for somebody else or for yourself? <laughs> asking for a listener. Um, yeah, but no, I really. I so it, I, I, I don't think it is, and I wouldn't encourage people to do that. Um, absolutely. absolutely. I think, I think, um, you know, in, in fact, the 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 degree of criminality and tax evasion that happens in U.S. dollars uh, boggles the mind and um, is much lot. worse than anything you would ever see in absolutely. in Bitcoin. The only difference is the people who do it in Bitcoin are a small time. Um, techie oh. geeks and the people who oh. do it in U.S. dollars um, are bankers <laughs> and, yeah, and right. politicians. <laughs> a massive mm -hmm. conglomerate. You know, if you get if you get robbed in U.S. dollars by someone wearing a suit with a very expensive lawyer. Absolutely. Right. Well, right. I, I see we're kind of ticking down, but I wanted to to get into some of this. So Bloomberg um, has said they anticipate Bitcoin rising as much as twenty thousand dollars again 
a la 2017. On the flip side, you have Goldman Sachs and it's not an, an asset class. It's not a suitable investment. Right. Uh, you know, that the supposed scarcity uh, of Bitcoins being, you know, up to 21 million, whatever the, the number is, is fiction because, you know, when people run out of Bitcoins or when we mine all the Bitcoins, well, people can just get more coins and trade uh, in Ethereum or whatever other million forks there are of Bitcoin. To that, you say what? What side of the coin? Who 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 has more reality on this side here? Bloomberg or, or Goldman Sachs? So I would say that if you are in, let me give you a, a, an analogy. Okay. If you are in the birth of the automotive industry in 1910, and you've got these crazy people building cars with internal combustion engines, and the Horse Breeder Association of America says these things are dangerous, smelly, and they don't have four-hoof independent traction like our horses. And the Horse Buggy Association of America says all of these companies should be forced to hire veterinarians because otherwise they're a menace to public health. Um, and they should follow the same rules as us. Which of the two do you listen to? And the answer is really simple. Neither. And you listen to neither because both of them are stuck in the past and trying desperately to make the old system look good um, and the new system look bad. And that's been the history of innovation throughout history. You don't listen to GM to tell you about whether Teslas are nice electric cars or not. You don't listen to the cruise line industry to tell you if aviation is safe or not. And you don't listen to Goldman Sachs and Bloomberg to tell you what Bitcoin is, why it is, and what it will do in the future. If they right. understood it, they would have invented it themselves. They didn't. Um and for the most part, they massively underestimated, and I hope they continue to massively underestimate it. Mm. Bitcoin isn't about price. It doesn't matter if it's 10,000, 1,000, or 20,000. I use it on a daily basis. I've used it since it was $5 each. I use it today at $9,000 each, and my use mm. is exactly the same. Every mm. week I pay a bit, I earn a bit. And when you earn and pay in the same week, the price fluctuation really doesn't matter much. Um, and so for the long run, while a price spike will get a lot of newbies excited, that doesn't last uh, because, you know, this thing is still volatile. So it bounces up and it bounces down. And every time right. it goes up, everybody rushes in. And every time it goes down, mm -hmm. everybody says, OK, it's dead. Move on. It's dead. Move right. on. And then we wait a couple of years and they're back in the next round. Um, that's not what this is about. This is okay. about a system of money that is for all of humanity, that can be used anywhere by anyone without permission, that the government can't manipulate, that the banks can't manipulate, that they can't control, they can't shut down, they can't freeze, they can't seize, they can't censor, they can't surveil, they can't control. It is money as it should be, as it always was for thousands of years when we had um, gold coins and cash that could be traded privately between individuals, recognized anywhere in the world without restrictions, without controls, without fraud. Um, and that's what it is. The internet requires a native currency that works for everyone on this planet. And it's time we built our own. 
and now we've built it, and it doesn't matter what they say. I, I really um, haven't heard what you just said. It's the first time I've heard a proponent kind of just not go into the whole, you don't see this as an investment. It's, you see this as a medium of exchange. Right. As money always has been. This is not like, oh, buy this so you can make money. That's not what you're saying at all. I don't see it as an investment. I think if people are investing in this, they should be very careful because um, it behaves in a very volatile manner because it's small. So, um, you know, think of it like uh, being in a in a zodiac bouncing up and down in the waves, right? That's Bitcoin. And then next to it, you've got this giant cruise ship, um, let's call it the Titanic, which is the US dollar. And it doesn't bounce around in the waves. It's very steady. It just sits there and slowly and steadily it moves closer and closer to the iceberg. Um, now, I can dodge and weave and get around the iceberg and my little Zodiac, but it's going to be a bumpy ride for a while. The bigger it gets, the more stable it gets. As an investment, um, I would use it in my investment portfolio the way I would use cayenne in my gumbo. A tiny bit makes it interesting. <laughs> a lot makes it inedible. Um, right. Yeah. right? Terrible. And, and so that's the bottom line. Now, if you're looking at a long-term perspective, then uh, in the longer scheme of things, uh, Bitcoin has a very different behavior in terms of inflation than US dollars. And right. the real question shouldn't be, should I have, is it too risky to have all of my money in Bitcoin? But the equally interesting question is, is it risky to have all of my money in dollars? Is it risky to have all of my money in euro? Um, And I I would mix it up a bit. Um, I think as a long-term investment um, for preserving value, it might end up being uh, a good investment, but I don't know. I'm not an investment specialist. I'm a computer scientist. As a technology, I can tell you that internet money has happened. It was inevitable, it has happened, and it's not going to go away. In fact, what's going to happen is it's going to get more and more and more interesting until eventually the generation that was born in an era when Bitcoin always existed, was always part of their experience, will look back at a time when a dozen elderly white people decided what the interest rate would be for a continent of 380 million inhabitants and think that that is as ridiculous as powdered wigs. Um, (laughs) And they will think that a currency governed by transparent rules that operates on the internet is the most natural thing in the world. That's what's Mm. going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Wow. Wow, I love it. Learned learned so much already. Andrea, so how can uh, folks that are listening that want to learn more uh, maybe wants to follow you and, you know, get more information and support everything that you're doing. How can they find you? How can they be part of that? So um, almost all of my work that I do is uh, available and free, cost free under open and open source licenses under Creative Commons licenses. Um, you can find me on the Internet uh, as A-A-N-T-O-N-O-P, Antonop, as I'm known. Mm-hmm. Um, Antonop on Twitter. My website is antonop.com and I'm Antonop on YouTube. I have written uh, 
five books. I'm working on my sixth right now. Um, Three three of them are technical college level textbooks for computer scientists. Three of them, The Internet of Money, Volume 1, 2, and 3, are philosophical talks and um, seminars about why this stuff matters and what it means, Um, kind of what we were talking about today. And... um, and I also have more than 500 videos, including many educational videos and uh, all of my seminars and talks on YouTube, of course, ad-free, uh, completely yeah. free to watch. Fantastic. And uh, I hope That's you enjoy awesome. them. I watched a yeah. few last night. What yeah. I was looking for, I have a seven-year-old daughter, and uh, I want to expose it to some of this. So we need the, the Andreas uh, Bitcoin for, for kids. For kids. <laughs> <Okay. session. laughs> right. Get, get yeah. them into it early. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a fast track to get deplatformed from YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. YouTube. Uh, yeah, Andrea. So um, you have uh, you have this thing on your Twitter account, and we might have to we might have to send me this uh, later on a DM or something. You you showing that you're following zero users, but you say you have a list. Can I get that open source code on the on the side? Can we can we work on that? Yeah, I mean, I could write up. Yeah, it's it's like one page of code, uh, and it takes a lot of setup, and I don't have any documentation. I could write it up, but basically, I converted all of my followers to lists so I can manage right. them better and um, organize them by topic. And because if if you have if you follow a lot of people and you have a lot of followers, both your feed and your mentions are a complete jungle, and yes. and and both of them are influenced by the Twitter algorithm. Whereas um, by using lists, I choose what I want to read, and uh, and also I don't reveal to people if I'm following them or not because I keep my list private, which okay. removes some of the games about. Oh yeah, you follow me, I don't. Yeah. Okay, right, right, yeah, <laughs> all right. I'll definitely I'll send you a message on that, and then we see uh, how we can uh, uh, how we can work that out. Yeah, but, you got uh, Andreas, it. thank thank you so much for joining us. OC and I, we've been looking forward to this. Um, OC is definitely bigger. Uh, cryptocurrency guy and he's been helping me so you know I, I did some investment when the whole thing went boom and you know it was a bad idea but uh <laughs> but you know listen to this and i got a lot of guys have been asking me hey you know when you're getting that guy andrea's on so uh, hopefully everybody that gets to listen to this learn a lot from me i know i did and we'll continue to learn from me thank you so much for uh coming by and talk to us thank you so much for having me on the show i appreciate it thank you absolutely Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Point Noted Podcast with Johnny B and Rashad B. Follow us on Twitter at PT Noted and Instagram at Point Noted. Hit the subscribe and follow button to follow us and check out more episodes of us talking a whole bunch of shit. You've been noted.